Praise God. Are you ready for the Word of God this morning? Are you ready to start to put fear behind you? Not started. You already have started. But you're going to continue putting fear behind you because God has not given us, the Scriptures tells us in 1 Timothy, 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 7, for God has not given you the spirit of fear, but he has given you the spirit of power, love, and sound mind or self-discipline. And so it's a, it's a powerful trio to combat the spirit of fear. Begin to focus on, I shared it with you last Sunday morning, on the fact that God did not give you the spirit of fear, but he has given you something. He's given you the spirit of power. Acts 1.8, you shall receive power after the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses in all the earth. In Acts chapter 4, the disciples, you know, they prayed for great boldness and great confidence, and they've received that in the power and in the anointing of the Holy Spirit. So God has given you power, power to overcome, to combat the spirit of fear. And in addition to not only giving you power, he's given you his love. His love has been deposited into your heart. He's given you the spirit of power, the spirit of love. 1 John chapter 4 tells us that perfect love dispels all fear. It casts out all fear. And the perfect love is God's perfect love. God's love is perfect. Meditate on that. The idea that his love is perfect, that his perfect love has been deposited into our hearts by the Holy Spirit. And that is a powerful, powerful deterrent to the spirit of fear. Because when I'm completely convinced that God loves me perfectly, unconditionally, all the time, that dispels the spirit of fear. I do not need to be afraid because God, in his love, he's with me. In his love, he will never leave me. In his love, he has my back. In his love, he's with me when I walk through the valley, through the dark valleys, through the difficult places, when I'm convinced of his love, when I am persuaded of his perfect love, which he has given me, he has deposited into my heart. I come to a realization that this world that I'm living in, this world that you're living in, is a perfectly safe place to be. Perfectly safe. God is with you. And what more do you want? Where else do you want to go? Where do you think, where do you think it's going to be safer than here? God is with us. There's a lot of talk in our culture today about safe places. Well, you have a safe place. It's called in Christ. In him. It's a, this world that you are in today is a perfectly safe place to be. It may not appear to be very safe to the natural mind, to your natural eyes, what you may be experiencing, what you may be seeing. At first thought, it may not appear all that safe. I'm sure Daniel didn't think this was a really good night in the lion's den. Man, I'm going to sleep really well tonight. But it ended up being a perfectly safe place for him to be. Amen. The Hebrew boys being thrown into the fiery furnace probably weren't thinking, hey... <laughs> This is a perfectly safe place to be in the furnace, but it ended up being a safe place to be. 
God was with them. God showed up with them. In some of the most difficult, what may appear to be impossible circumstances, recognize that God is with you. I'd rather go through a difficult place having, knowing that God is with me than being on a mountaintop and not having God. This world that you're in is a perfectly safe place to be. God has not given you the spirit of fear, but he's given you the spirit of power and of love. So you have the power and you have love. These are, these are all just arsenal, weapons within our arsenal to combat the spirit of fear. And then he also has given us the spirit of a sound mind or the spirit of self-discipline. Soundness of mind. Soundness of mind. Where does fear most often, when does it enter your life? Is it at a reality or is it a thought of an unpleasant reality? It's the thought. It begins in the mind. So God has given you the spirit of self-discipline, the spirit of a sound mind. You can identify when the spirit of fear is coming against you, when the spirit of fear is knocking at your door. You can identify it immediately and you can take authority over it and, and, and use your exercise, your power, over it and resist it in the name of Jesus and, and remind yourself that God is with me. He promised to never leave me nor forsake me. It's like the writer in the book of Hebrews said, therefore I may boldly say, the Lord is my helper. I will not fear what can man do to me. You're in a safe place. Amen. So stop looking for a safer place. Keep looking to Jesus, the author, the finisher of your faith. He's with you. He said he'd never leave us nor forsake us. Praise God. Well, that was last Sunday's message recap. So let's go into today's message. Part two of not being afraid. Not being afraid. Remember that timidity, fear, it's not a disposition or an attitude. It's a spirit. It's a spirit, and therefore it cannot be conquered with your intellect or with willpower, but you can draw on the power, the love, and the soundness of mind that God has deposited within you. And also keep remembering that uh, when we allow the spirit of fear or the spirit of timidity, you know, when it, when it is uh, governing our lives, when it's shaping our lives, safety, Safety becomes our God, and we worship a risk-free life. We haven't been called into kingdom business to worship a risk-free life. Matter of fact, on the contrary, you've been called to take a risk. Launch out into the deep. Launch out into the deep. So don't be looking to worship a risk-free life. Be willing to be bold in, in, in your obedience to God. Be willing to hear the voice of the Spirit of God and be willing to follow after everything that he has called upon you to do. So the Gospels, when you read through the Gospels, there's approximately, I think it's 125 Christ-issued imperatives. And of the 125 imperatives, there are 21 of those urge us to not be afraid. To not be afraid. You know what the second most repeated imperative is? To love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your mind. To love God. It's the command to love God and neighbor. And it appears a total of eight times. 21 times the imperatives of Jesus in one way or another. He's telling you to not worry or don't be afraid. Eight times he's reminding you to love God and to love your neighbor. So if numbers have anything to do with it, 
If quantity has any, any, any indicator, I think we can uh, recognize that Jesus does, uh, does not want us to be living in fear or to be paralyzed by the spirit of fear. It's the most repeated uh, uh, command in all of Scripture. It's one shape or in one form of another is to not be afraid, to not worry, don't be anxious, take no thought. In the context of Scripture, it's the most often repeated command. And so it's important that uh, we recognize that uh, we're not saying that fear doesn't exist. When I say this world is a perfectly safe place to be, that doesn't mean there's not fear. There, there, there's, there's many reasons to be afraid. That's why we're told over and over again not to be afraid. Many times told not to be afraid because there's many reasons. There's many things that come at us. There's many voices that we hear and many opportunities to be afraid. So fear may fill our world, but we do not need to allow it to fill our hearts. You have a choice. You live in a fear-filled world, but your world that you're in, you living in this fear-filled world, you are in a very safe place in Christ Jesus. You do not need to allow fear to fill your heart because everyone else is afraid. Well, if they're afraid and they're afraid and this media is afraid and that media is afraid and this media platform is afraid and these people are afraid and these Christians are afraid and this Christian over here is afraid, uh, I guess I must be afraid also. No, you don't. We don't need to go with the flow. We need to incorporate the spirit of power, the spirit of love, and the spirit of a sound mind and to overcome the spirit of fear. And it's important that we guard our hearts, that we guard our hearts and be mindful of what we are hearing. Where are we getting our information? If the voice of the media is more familiar to you than the voice of the spirit, that may be a clue as to why you're afraid. Guard your heart. Be mindful of what you are listening to. Do you really need to listen to another newscast? Do you really need to hear someone else criticizing someone, another person? Do you really need to hear condemnation being spoken towards one another? Or do you just need to hear the voice of the good shepherd? And remind yourself that his goodness is following after me. If you don't get anything else out this morning, I want you to get this. The spirit of fear will always attract whatever information is necessary to legitimize its existence. The spirit of fear will always attract whatever information is necessary to legitimize its existence. You have symptoms in your body. And the first thing you do is you call on Ceres or you do a Google medical search on it. Do you feel better after you did that? Do you feel better? Ah, it's no big deal. I'm going to live a long, healthy life where all of a sudden you're thinking, my gosh, I better get my will in order, better get my house in order. I better start calling people. I better start visiting people. And tell them, I'm so sorry I treated you the way I treated you. I'm, I know I'm, going, I'm not going to live much longer, but while I'm still here, could we please just get along? 
Fear, the spirit of fear will always attract whatever information is necessary to legitimize its existence. Be very mindful of where you're getting information from. Be smart about it. And don't make God and God's word your last resource. How many times have you heard people in conversation that something, something's happened, something's gone down, and they, they went all over the place trying to get counsel, trying to find a remedy, trying to figure things out, and all of a sudden someone comes up with this brilliant idea, we just need to pray. We've tried everything else, let's pray. We really want to come to a place where we immediately look for the mind of Christ. We search for the wisdom of God. We go to God. We go to the word of God, the promises of God's word. If this world is going to be, if the safety in this world that is in Christ is going to become a reality in our hearts, we must give God space in our hearts. We must have our confidence and our trust in him and not just completely make him like number 10 on the list. He needs to be number one. He needs to be number one. So the spirit of fear will always attract whatever information is necessary to legitimize its existence. I have heard people already uh, come uh, from a doctor's report, and it was a, not a good report. It, was, it had every reason to, to scare the person because it looked like uh, in, that there's no hope. There's no, in the natural realm, things, things are not looking very good. And they share that with someone. And then the person they shared it with said, oh my gosh, that is so sad. My uncle had that same diagnosis, and bless his heart, he died within three weeks. That's the spirit of fear. That's the spirit of fear, and it's attracting whatever information is necessary to legitimize its existence. So when you have something going on in your life and someone comes up to you and says something that makes you more afraid, just know that that's the spirit of fear speaking to you. Now, they may not be doing it intentionally. I hope they're not doing it intentionally. But it may be out of ignorance. But nonetheless, recognize the voice of the Holy Spirit and recognize when it's the voice of the spirit of fear. And pay attention. And, and, and develop and train yourself that when the spirit of fear is speaking and it's trying to legitimize that it has every right to exist, when it's trying to do that, the first thing you want to be aware of, the first thing you want to be aware of is that you don't put voice to it and that you don't articulate it and that you give it a legal right to take up residence within you. By you saying the same thing, by you speaking the spirit of fear, giving voice to it. But it's when you do that, it's not like you say, well, I didn't invite, I didn't ask to be afraid. No, but you're giving, it, you're giving fear a permission to exist by the words that you're speaking, the doubt and unbelief that keeps coming out of your mouth. And talking about, oh, I'm so afraid of this. I'm so afraid the economy is going to crash. I'm so afraid this is going to happen. I'm afraid this is going to happen. I'm afraid we're losing this. We're losing that. And I'm, I'm afraid of this. And I'm afraid of that. Fear not, Jesus said. Why do you think he said it so many times? Because we have a tendency to be afraid. And it's real easy to go with the flow 
of the world system and to be afraid. It's just like floating downstream. We're not called to float downstream with the rest of the world. We're called to go upstream. So keep the oars in the water and keep going upstream. Amen? Be mindful. Be mindful of the media that you are paying attention to. And wean yourself off of whatever you need to wean yourself off of. If it's not building faith, but rather it's building fear, then you definitely, definitely just want to get rid of it. So, well, Pastor Ray, aren't you just like sticking your head in the sand and acting like uh, the, the world isn't real, that the issues aren't real, that COVID-19 is not real, that economy issues aren't real? I'm not saying any of that. You know, sometimes people, I've been accused of, I said, well, you're one of those faith people. You believe in faith and you don't think that there's any problems. And said, that's the stupidest thing I've ever heard of. We have faith to overcome. What are we overcoming? All the things you just talked about. But I'm not exhorting all the things I'm overcoming. I'm exhorting and I'm, I'm, I'm exalting faith in God. And I'm exalting the spirit of power, the spirit of love, and the spirit of a sound mind. And I'm not going to give voice to the spirit of fear. Because when I give voice to the spirit of fear, it just makes me more afraid. And then it makes you more afraid. Then you voice it back to me, then I'm more afraid. And all of a sudden, we are these great, big, wonderful, built-up people in the spirit of fear, rather than being these built-up people in the spirit of faith, in the spirit of love, in the spirit of a sound mind. Christ-like. Christ followers, Christ worshipers. We are called to worship him. We're called to serve him. He's good to us. He's good to us. Let me get to my scripture. So uh, let me give you an example of this of how to. Um, Acts chapter 27. The Apostle Paul makes a powerful statement. Uh, this is towards the end of his life and ministry, and he's, he's en route to Rome. And in Acts chapter 27, before they set sail, he wasn't real thrilled. He sensed by the Spirit of God that they should not set sail, that it's not going to go well. And that's recorded in verse 10 and 11 of Acts chapter 27. Men, he said, I believe. In verse 10, he said, men, he said, I believe there is trouble ahead if we go. Shipwreck, loss of cargo, and danger to our lives as well. So this is the Apostle Paul on the ship as a prisoner, but he's sensing by the Spirit of God, the Spirit of wisdom, the Spirit of power, the Spirit of a sound mind. He's sensing and he's articulating that I think there's going to be trouble if we go. There's going to be shipwreck. There's going to be loss of cargo and danger to our lives as well. Verse 11, but the officers... The officer in charge of the prisoners listened more to the ship's captain and the owner than to Paul. So they listened to the majority, they listened to the owners, they listened to the people that are in charge, so to speak, and they just did not pay attention to what Paul was speaking by the, by the spirit of wisdom. So they set sail, and just as Paul had perceived by the Spirit, they ended up in trouble. They, they were in a, in a horrible storm for many, many days and fearing for their lives. In verse, 20, uh, verse 22, the, uh, Paul, again, is trying to encourage the people because they've all lost courage. They're all thinking they're going to die, giving up on life. In verse 22, he said, but take courage. None of you will lose your lives, even though the ship will go down. Then he gives the reason, the next verse, verse 23, for or because last night an angel of God. 
I love this line. For last night, an angel of the God to whom I belong and to whom I serve. Do you know that you belong to God? And are you serving this God whom you know and to whom you belong and to whom I serve? An angel of the God to whom I belong, to whom I serve, appeared to him. He said, stood beside me and he said, what did he say? Come on, say it like you mean it. Don't be afraid to shout it loud. What did he say? Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. Now, doesn't sound like a little bit hyper-Christianity, hyper-spirituality when you're in a boat for all these days and you haven't seen the sun shine for more than like 14 days and the winds are, and the waves are beating on the ship and they threw everything overboard. They just did, did everything in the natural that they knew to do. They, they fasted and they just, you know, and things are not getting any better. And all of a sudden, here comes the Christian. Oh, the God to whom I belong, an angel of the Lord, of the God to whom I belong and to whom I serve, stood by me last night and he said, don't be afraid. And when we have that type of courage today to speak up in the middle of a pandemic, speak up in the middle of financial crisis, speak up in the middle of a chaos, when we have the courage to speak up and to say that, the world wants to look at us and the many of the Christians included thinking, what plant did he come from? Planet heaven. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid, Paul, for you will surely stand trial before Caesar. What's more, God in his goodness. See that his goodness is running after you. You can be in a ship that looks like it's going down. You can be fearing for your life for the last several weeks and things have gone from bad to really, really bad, from bad to worse. And, but I want you to know that while it's looking like that and it's feeling like that, that the angels are aware of it, God's aware of it, and that his goodness is chasing you down. And he's telling you, don't be afraid for you will stand trial. What's more, God in his goodness has granted safety. Everyone say safety. Safety to every one sailing with you. If for no other reason, you're saying, Pastor Ray, I just, you know, I just, I'm not there yet. I'm not there yet. I can't, you know, I, I just can't overcome this fear. I, I just don't have confidence. I just don't have confidence. All right, ride on my coattail of confidence for a while. Ride on my confidence, ride on my coattail. I'm not going to be afraid. So, well, Pastor Ray, can I do that? Well, you can do that by believing God with me. Just hook up with me. We can join up with one another. Pastor Ray's not afraid, so I'm not going to be afraid. Does Pastor Ray ever get afraid? Shh. <laughs> I'm not going to tell you what I'm afraid of, because then you'll Google it, and then you'll come tell me what, you know, what I should really be afraid of. I don't want to know what I should really be afraid of. I want to know in who I trust and to who I belong and to whom I'm serving, and that the angels of the God to whom I serve are with me, and they're watching over me. And I, it will be, let's continue reading here. Once more, God in his goodness has granted safety to everyone sailing with you. So take courage. I'm saying to you today, Grace Church, take courage for I believe God. Paul's saying, I believe God. It will be just as he said. 
Are we believing that it will be just as he said? Are we believing that this world that we're in with God in us, Christ in us, the hope of glory is a perfectly safe place to be because God is with us, not because, it's, not because there's no chaos, not because there's no reasons to fear, but in the middle of the chaos, God is with us. Therefore, take courage. I believe it will be, just as he said, back to the word of God. Get back into the word of God. Listen to the promises of God's word and, and, and know that uh, you, it's going to turn out well. It's going to turn out well. Turn to Psalm 23 real quickly, the 23rd Psalm. Don't allow Psalms like uh, 23, Psalm 91, and different Psalms of... Uh, the ones that, that you like, the, the comforting scriptures. Don't allow the familiarity of them to keep you from going to them and reading them again and allowing the Holy Spirit to speak to you. You know, you have certain foods that you like. And if you had your favorite food, let's say on, on this past Friday evening, you had your favorite meal. I would venture to believe that you're not going to go the rest of your life now thinking, I'm just going to remember that. I'm not going to go back there. I'm not going to ever have that meal again because I really remember how well that tasted. I mean, it was so delicious. It was so, you know, it was just wonderful. The presentation of it was wonderful and it, the nutrition value was off the charts. And, and uh, I, I really enjoyed it. But you know what? I can smell it just thinking about it, but I'm not going to go back there ever again. I've had it Friday night and I'm good. Now, you're looking forward to repeating that meal again. Likewise with the scriptures, continue to go back to the scriptures and not just, uh, not just to, uh, rely on, why well, I remember that. I remember that. I remember some good meals and I'm looking forward to having those same good meals again. So you remember some really good scriptures. Go back and refresh yourself and be built up in them. And so that's, uh, the 23rd Psalm was one of those. You can have a tendency to, well, that's, you know, I've heard that over the years and been there, done that. But listen to it this morning. Verse 1, the Lord is my shepherd. I have all that I need. He lets me rest in green meadows. He leads me beside peaceful streams. He renews my strength. He guides me along right paths, bringing honor to his name. Verse 4, even when I walk, even when I walk through the darkest valley, I will not be afraid. Say that with me. Even when I walk through the darkest valley, I will not be afraid. The psalmist is telling us that. And then he gives the reason. For you are close beside me, your rod and your staff protect and comfort me. You prepare a feast for me in the presence of my enemies. You're, you honor me by anointing my head with oil. My cup overflows with blessing. Surely your goodness is running after me. Your goodness and unfailing love will pursue me, running after me. All the days of my life, I will live in the house of the Lord forever, forever. But verse four is going to focus on that just for a few moments. Even when I'm walking through the darkest valley, the New King James, some of the old translations talking about, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. I will not be afraid for you are with me for you are close beside me, close beside me. Thank God that he is with us. Thank God 
that he is close beside me, that his rod and his staff protect and comfort me, and that fear no longer is corroding my confidence in his character, for I know that he is with me. His rod and his staff are protecting me, protecting me, they are, and, and comforting me. I, for years, would think that the rod and the staff, there's this kind of, you know, just using two different words for the same instrument, but the rod and the staff, they're not the same. The, the, the staff is the very familiar instrument that you're familiar with. You see artist renderings of the shepherds of old. They have this, the long staff, looks like, you know, a long cane. Basically, and they're, they're walking, they're holding their staff, and the sheep are following after them. But he also has what they call the rod. And I'm, I'm told that, uh, that uh, it's called a shebet, the, the Middle Eastern shepherds, that the rod was a, a shebet, and it was cut from a tree root. And probably the best way to describe it would be it's almost like a, shaped like a gourd. And it has kind of a, a knobby end to it, which is, you know, a tree or just really, really solid, like really a, a knot. And then a, a gourd shape. And this particular rod was an instrument that the shepherd could hurl at predators to chase away the predator. Or he could hurl it at the sheep to bring course correction in their life. If a sheep's wandering off and, and heading towards a cliff or something, the, the shepherd can, can hurl that rod and, 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 and hit the sheep and, and get it to turn direction. Now, that correction is for the sheep's benefit. It's not to injure the sheep. The shepherd doesn't think, I don't really like that sheep. Just let me whip this thing at him. Just let me whirl this thing at him and hit him up the side of the head and just, you know, teach him a few lessons. Now, it's not that type of attitude at all. It's love and compassion for a sheep that may be approaching danger. And the only way that the shepherd can get it to change direction is to hurl the rod at it. Or that same rod can also be used to hurl it at a predator coming toward the sheep. He can hurl it at the predator, hitting the predator and getting it to change its course. So that's the rods. It's more of a, it's more of that, it's that protection instrument to protect the sheep from predators, such as wolves, coyotes, or, or whatever it may be, and, and also to bring correction from a wandering sheep, a sheep that's wandering off towards danger. So think of the rod as something that is, like I said, to protect or to correct. The staff is the gentler instrument that you're probably more familiar to us in our mindset concerning the the shepherd and the psalmist here being the good shepherd. And the application of, of the staff here with the shepherd is that the shepherd has a responsibility to be directing the sheep. The sheep hear his voice. They're following after him. And he's, he's directing them. And he's establishing boundaries for them, the, 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 the green pastures beside the still waters. But the, the, the rod can, the staff can also be used uh, to rescue a vulnerable sheep. If a sheep gets caught in a, in a rock cliff or they, they get caught someplace and you know, sheep have a propensity to, uh, to get themselves in trouble left to themselves. And so the shepherd might use his rod and, and, and take it out there and put the hook around its leg or something and you know, help retrieve the sheep out of a dangerous situation. But again, the idea is the rod, the rod of, 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 of correction and then the, the, the staff of comfort and protection for the sheep. And so uh, it's also used... The, the staff is also used to uh, uh, not only to rescue, but to encourage and to comfort 
as the shepherd may be leading the sheep. He may just have to, you know, just tap a sheep up to the side. You just tap it. To, no, no, we want to go this way. You keep going off to the right or you keep going off to the left and you just kind of tap. Just keeping everything in order. That, that's what that staff is all about. It can be used to rescue and also be used as a sense of direction. But the idea, the, the picture here is, is that the rod and your staff, they protect and they comfort. They protect and they comfort. That's why he's, the psalmist is able to say, even when I'm walking through the dark valley. Everyone say dark valley. Now, I'm sure all of us in here, we've gone through what we've considered seasons or times, and some of you may be here this morning thinking, I'm in the middle of those really, really dark places. I'm in a dark place right now. If you're not in a dark place, I'm sure we've all can you know, tell of a time when we've been in a dark place. There's a couple pointers here I want to bring out. First of all, the psalmist is saying, when I walk through the valley, when I walk through this dark valley, keep walking. Keep walking when you're in that dark valley. Keep walking. You're walking along and all of a sudden you realize it's dark and you want to stop. Fear wants to paralyze you. Fear is paralyzing. You stop walking. Well, when you stop walking, now, you just, now you're camping in the middle of this situation that's uncomfortable. This thing that's so scary and so fearful, now you're camping in it. Now you're surrounded by it. So don't stop walking. Well, I'm just giving up. I thought God is with me. He is. He's right beside you. Keep walking. It's going to be okay. Keep walking. Everyone say, keep walking. Like Steve Furtick would say, put it in the chat. Keep walking. Keep walking. <laughs> Keep walking. He's right beside you. I've been in situations. You've been in situations. I had to talk to myself, remind myself, God is with me. God is in this. God is for this. I'm going to keep walking. I'm going to keep heading in this direction because God is pointing in this direction. I wasn't expecting this dark valley. I wasn't expecting this season of darkness. But I am in it, and I'm going to keep walking, and I am also making the same declaration that the psalmist made. He said, I will not be afraid. It's okay. Matter of fact, it's good for you. Matter of fact, it's scriptural. It's biblical. It's mandated from God for you to talk to yourself, especially when you're in a dark place. Talk to yourself. I will not be afraid. I am going through a very difficult season, but I'm going to get through this season. I'm going to keep moving with the Spirit of God. I believe that God is with me in this situation, in this circumstance. Not that he put you in it, but you're going through it, and you are coming out of it victoriously. I will not be afraid. I will get through this. I will get through this. And it's a part of living this life, kingdom living here in the world. Yes, there's chaos. Yes, there are wars. There are rumors of wars. There are pandemics. There are earthquakes and all kinds of storms. And, and, and those things are not going to cease. They're not going to go away. You don't pray those things away. Jesus said they're going to happen. Don't be surprised. But be smart on how you respond to it. And I'm just going to get something off my chest right now. I don't think the church of the Jesus Christ nor the government of many countries, most countries included, weren't very smart in how they responded to COVID-19. Paralyzed by fear, big time. 
I'm not saying it's not real. I'm not saying people didn't die from it. And that is a sad thing. But the response and the mandates were completely out of bounds biblically. People were paralyzed with fear, and that is not a biblical heavenly response. The wisdom of God, yes, there's things we learn and there's things we will continue to learn, but we are going to continue my my fear in a good sense. My fear is what are we going to do next year and the following year and the following year if we respond like we did this past year? When I say we, I'm talking about as a culture collectively. Did Pastor Ray just say what he said? I think he did. Did he mean it? I mean it not in an arrogant sense, but in a concern sense. My desire is, is that I... And all of you, all of you watching, listening, that you make a concentrated effort and make a commitment that when we are walking through valleys of darkness, that we are not going to fear evil. Does that mean that you just ignore it? No, we don't ignore it, but we turn to God. We turn to God and we look for his wisdom and we look for his grace and we look for his leadership and we look for his guidance and we pull together. We don't divide and we don't start attacking one another. We come together unified in the spirit of grace. We come together in the spirit of power, the spirit of love and the spirit of a sound mind. And we come together and we pray together and we pull together and we move forward to the glory of God and the kingdom of heaven, the goodness of God pursuing us is manifested in us. In the darkest of times, we are to be shining the brightest. Amen? In the darkest of times, we are to shine the brightest. And I don't know if we've done that as well as we should have. But we learn and we go forward. And we're not afraid of the future. The future is bright with promise and God's goodness is pursuing you. Amen. Your children and your grandchildren, my children, my grandkids, and great grandkids and great grandkids, greater grand, whatever they are, the next generations until Jesus comes back, we can expect things to be good for those who are following after God for his goodness and his mercy. Follow us all the days of our lives. Amen. Amen. I'm not afraid. I will fear no evil, for God is with me. You will fear no evil, for God is with you. Don't think every time something happens that scares you that God left you. God didn't leave you. He's with you. He'll never leave you. His love is perfect. Father, in the name of Jesus, I thank you and I praise you for your goodness and your mercy. I thank you for your loving kindness and I thank you for your faithfulness to all generations. 
And Father, I thank you that in your pursuit of us, your primary pursuit of us is to have us to come into the kingdom of God through a relationship with you, through accepting Jesus Christ as our personal Lord and Savior. If you are here in the auditorium this morning or you're watching online and you're in a situation, you have never accepted Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior. I'm going to lead us all in a prayer right now. We're all going to pray this together. I want to invite you to pray it together with, with us. And if you're praying this for your first time, you're entering into a relationship with Jesus Christ. Let's pray this. Say, Heavenly Father, I thank you that your goodness is running after me. In the person of Jesus Christ, I realize this moment that Jesus Christ died at Calvary's cross and he shed his blood to cleanse me of all my sin. I believe that in my heart and I confess with my mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord of my life. I thank you, Father, for making me a new creation in Christ Jesus, that all old sins are washed away, and I'm a new person going forward. I now have the spirit of power, I have the spirit of love, and I have the spirit of a sound mind, and I will not fear. In Jesus' name, amen. Praise God. Let's give a great round of applause for those who pray and believe in God. If you prayed that for your very first time and you're here this morning, we want to encourage you as we're dismissing, as you're leaving here, to go over, over to your left to the Connect Center room. There's some people in there who would love to just chat with you for a few moments and introduce yourself to them. Uh, Pastor Rodney and I think Kate, also our student director, will be back there. And also, if you're new here and you just want to get to meet some people and meet some of the leadership team, go back to the Connect Center. We'd love to make a connection with you. God bless you. Have an awesome, awesome week. Go out in the spirit of confidence and joy and fear no evil, for God is with you. Amen. God bless you.